Extremely blessed today. Uh, Coach Jeff Snuffer is going to bring the word to us today. He's going to share. Whoa. <laughs> I am I am super Whoa, stoked and uh, just excited for what he has to bring, and uh, thankful for our body and everyone that makes it up and what God is doing in us and what God desires to do through us. So that's why I think today. Um, there was a shift that took place in lives, and there's a shift that took place in you. I'm just going to prophesy right now. Some may not understand what that is. Some may not even have expected it. Sometimes he's Jehovah Sneaky. He won't, he won't, uh, <laughs> he won't manipulate or control, but he will come in a way that you didn't expect. And he'll minister to your heart before you even knew it happened. And you'll go, wait a minute. Something's different. It's him. Chains are falling off. Come on. Man, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get stirred up. Jeff, come on. Or I'm not going to let, let you have it. Yeah. What do you want? Need some people look up some scripture for me real quick. Somebody look up Proverbs 3 and just be ready to talk. All right, and we'll get back to that. You know, place to put, put my Bible there. Put my Bible here. All right. I'm covering up the treasury. <clears throat> All right. Got a lot I want to cover today. I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, went to a leadership meeting with Pastor Todd. That's a long ways away. But I'm, I'm going to deal with it. <laughs> um, you <laughs> That's right, I'm dealing with it. That's right. That's right. That's right. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm proud. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it Are these yours? Yeah, that, those are there if I need them. Those are my backup eyes if I need them. Uh, me and Pastor were just talking, and I just said something about unity because the country's been so uh, not filled with unity recently through the election, with all the mess that's going on in our country. And, and I just popped up a couple examples there, and he said, you should say, say that to the church. And I'm like, okay. It's just been so long. I mean, again, I talk to my players every day. I'll be in the waiting room tomorrow talking to kids. I'll be in my leadership class talking to those kids. It's been a while since I've talked in church, so I'm actually a little nervous. Is that good? All right, but I am very excited. Worship team, y'all are so awesome. Thank y'all so much. What a job y'all do. <clears throat> you the man. And y'all a good-looking crowd, by the way. You really are. We've had a lot of people come in here the last couple of weeks. You notice our church is kind of growing a little bit? So... Um, that's, that's a good thing. Growth is a good thing in most areas, unless it's around your waist. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, that's where I live. That's where I live. But one thing, uh, help us do this. When people start coming in, so coming in late or whatever, make room for them. Make room. You know, if you see people coming in and you got an extra seat there, sit next to the other person, just move over. Let's just make room. I mean, they do it in theaters, so let's do it in the church, because that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is unity anyway, but... It's good to see this many people, and it's going to continue. I think our church is going to continue to grow. I really believe that. All right, but just as they're coming in, let's make room and welcome them. Amen. Welcome them. We're really going to talk about that here also as well. Uh, first thing I want to do, did I lose them? I had two little envelopes, Pastor. Did, what did? I had two little envelopes up here. I got them. You hit them under my Bible. The word, the word protects them. Uh, October was Pastor Appreciation Month. It always is, by the way. And um, Todd and Tina, if you'll come up and stand in front, if you don't mind. Yeah, boy. Oh, 
you guys can't be acknowledged enough, honestly. But um, we know y'all like to eat at Village Grill. So we have two gift cards for y'all for Village Grill. And also, I talked to, to Pastor Todd about this. Um, they need, you know, my dad was a pastor. I'm going to talk about him a little bit. And I know the weight that gets on them in the business and everything. So they need a break. Sometimes he needs to be ministered to. And she needs to be ministered to. So what we offered to them was a, a retreat of their choice where they can go to a conference, a church conference, whatever, choose the one they want where they'll be ministered to. And we shared about that. And have you chosen your one yet or still working on it? So the church is going to sponsor them when they go somewhere to retreat to be fed. So that's another thing we're going to do for them. So. Love you. Love you, huh? Anytime you can honor your pastor, do it. All right, and pastor's wife, do it. Anytime you can do it, do that. It's very important. All right, look, I'm a teacher and a coach. I'm not a pastor. My dad was. Had six boys. That's why we're all mean. All right? And he thought I would be the one. And I've spoken to church. I said, Dad, I'm a coach. That's what I do. All right? So I'm not going to try to be a pastor today. It's not who I am. It's not my identity. My identity is I'm a teacher and I'm a coach. That's what I'm going to do. That's why I have my whiteboard. I know... You know, I ain't used to seeing that stuff in church. I still use whiteboards in school, you know. We just still do that. But that's how I'm going to approach today. Look, I'm a teacher and a coach. That's who I am. You know, and I'm going to talk about that path here in a second. But that's, that's how I'm going to approach this. I have some videos I'm going to show you today that are going to kind of be in line with what I want to talk about. So we ready for the first one? All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit, show you stuff a little bit. We're going to have some involvement I'm going to have a crowd of people up here here pretty soon. I'm really excited about that. They don't know who's, who's going to be up here. But it's going to be awesome. Amen. All right. So, man, I already, I already missed football. All right. But um, my message today, thrive in purpose, grow in unity. Thrive in purpose, grow in unity. Thrive in who you are and grow in unity because, my gosh, our country needs unity. My gosh, we need it so badly, and we got to do that. So the first video is uh, Power of Teamwork. All right, can we go ahead and show that? All right. I think you're going to enjoy this. All right, here we go. Picture for yourself where you've been, who's been with you um, along your life, along your journey. People say journey all the time. I'd rather just say path. All right, just it's a coaching word maybe. I don't know. Path. All right. So anyway, um, I would say that born in Cleveland, Ohio. Anybody ever been to Cleveland? <laughs> Don't go back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, so yeah, I'm a Browns fan, and uh, we've never been in the Super Bowl. And today's another example of we're not even we're the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> but our draft this year is going to be awesome. <laughs> it should be. Anyway, I was born in Cleveland, born in the city. If you ever have lived in the city, and that's a big city. Look, Charlotte City. Burlington, eh, you know, Cleveland, pretty big city, yeah. all right? We were called the armpit of America. <laughs> huh? Well, we're close to it. <laughs> but anyway, born in Cleveland, um, it was a little rough. It was a little rough where we lived. Uh, Dad was a pastor, and he worked a full-time job at a steel mill. Uh, mom worked on the side. Had six boys. I think I said that. Six boys. My mom's four foot 11. In fact, last week when I was uh, standing behind her, and I'm going to have to rotate going home, because she's, pray for my mom. Pray for my mom. She's Battling for her life right now. So just pray for her. All right. That's tough. I got to go. I gotta, please pray for my mom. She needs it. But I'm standing behind her, holding her up so she won't fall because she's been falling a lot. And I'm standing over and she's like, here. I'm like, how did this happen? How did, how did I come out of, you know? I was like, mom. And six of them. Six. What were you thinking? But, uh, but anyway, dad worked a full time job, was a preacher. A mom worked. Um, and we lived in a pretty tough neighborhood. I tell my team that all the time. I grew up in the hood. No, you didn't, coach. I said, I'll show you hood. You come, you come back. I'll show you hood. But, uh, <laughs> but it was a little rough. It was a little rough. And uh, I've seen the good and bad in church. Look, when, I, when dad was a preacher, I've seen the Holy Ghost move, the shouting, the running. Um, I've seen it all. I've seen the good and the bad. I have. I've seen the people go against my dad, which is tough. You know, like it's hard on my wife and people yelling at me in the stands, Snuffer, you suck. I'm sorry, I said that in church. You know, but when they're saying that, it's tough, you know, and as I've seen the great side of dad making an influence on people's lives and mom, and I loved it, but then I also saw that negative. And y'all know that it exists. You know, it does. One thing, it was a short story, and I'll probably share some short stories. Abby, if I keep going on, I'm just, coach, move on. 
All right. But one of them, dad had to change churches. We was at this big church. Things were going good. For some reason, had to change. And um, the, the superintendent or one of the guys, the leaders in church was an older man. Dad was maybe about my age then, maybe a little younger. And he announced to the church, I believe in a church. I'm um, going from here to there. We just taking our family to another church. And uh, when he said that, we got outside church doors, and I was in the car. I think I was like seven, eight years old time. This guy come up and punched my dad right in the face. Just bam, punched him. And dad was a big, big guy that, back then. You know, he's a strong guy. And uh, he turned the other cheek. Now I was just seven, eight years old. I was ready to tear into that little guy. I would, I would have been fighting like that. But, but it broke my heart, but I thought, well, what a man. What a man, what he just did. And my older brothers, they were ready to light that boy up. You know, but dad said, no. God says, turn the other cheek. He turned the other cheek. And we moved on to the next church and, and went on from there. But I, I really gained so much respect for my dad. He's been a minister for 55 years in the church, 55 years, and still growing strong. <clears throat> um, but he also needs your prayers. You know, now he's 78. He does retirement home ministry now, and wherever he can, he ministers. But I just thank the world of my dad and my mom. Um, but, but God had a plan for us. You know, Cleveland just wasn't working out. Things were getting a little rough. So we moved to West Virginia. No, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. We're all related. Yeah. Our family. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Our family tree doesn't fork. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Anyway, so we went from city loudness. It was loud. I saw fights. I saw stuff. Where we lived in Cleveland, there was a truly, a, you ever seen the movie Sandlot? We had a sandlot next block over. We lived on Seymour Avenue. Do I want to tell that story? You know, Seymour is where those girls were held hostage. On my street, that story that happened a couple years in Cleveland, that was my street. My brother went to school with that dude at Lincoln West High School. Now, we didn't know at the time, you're going to kidnap women when you get older? We didn't know that. That was my street, that little, little story about how rough it was. But there was a sandlot just a little block over. So we get home from school, we all go to the sandlot, and we would do what you saw in the movie. We were playing softball, we were playing football. It's glass, rocks, and everything. Kind of made us tough guys. We would just play. We'd just go there and play. Now, we didn't have no big dog attacking us. But we did have old man Pete, whose house was right there above the fence of the sandlot. Sometimes the balls would go over the fence, and we would rip the fence and get in the yard. And old man Pete didn't like that. Didn't have a dog. He didn't like that. So one day, old man Pete comes out, and he's laying into my brother Terry. And, I, and I'm a young guy at the time. He punches Terry. I pick up rocks. I'm throwing him at Pete, man. I'm just a little kid. I'm, I'm throwing rocks at him. Well, one of my brothers went home and got dad. So dad gets that big blue station when I give me that. <laughs> and he pulls up, and he barely stopped. I mean, that car was rocking, and he was running out of there, and he got in old Pete's face. And said, my boys going to come here and play. If they want their ball, you're going to give them their softball, their football back. You can give it to them. Yes, sir. And after that, old man Pete was buying us softballs and giving us footballs. That's a true story. So dad, dad set the tone right there. But anyway, I don't know why I went there. Um, it was a little rough. So we moved from here to there. And there was a culture shock, man. I go from the noise of traffic and fights and there was stuff always going on in Cleveland to crickets. You know, and squirrels and rabbits. And I mean, really, it was just so different. And the road we lived in, or, and my mom still lives there, is called Hoo Hoo Holler Road. <laughs> that is true. She can show it. I showed it on my phone. Hoo Hoo Holler Road. So that is who we become. <laughs> but God had a purpose for our family. He moved us to West Virginia for a reason. That's where dad grew up. So we kind of moved back where his mom was. And this started my path. This is what started it for me, all right? And so God started putting people in my life at that time. And I'm so thankful for him. But one of the first guys I got up here, his name is Dale Birchfield. Dale Birchfield was a youth pastor. If y'all can't see that, I'll be saying it. He's the youth pastor at the church I went to, Lester First Church of God, all right? And we were a little strict, you know. We had uh, not the worship that we have here. Thank God for y'all's worship. It's awesome. It's a little different there. It's a little bit more stiff. You know, but it was still there. But he was, he was a youth pastor, very humble man, very caring man, kind of showed me what humility is as a young man, really showed me that. And I just thought the word of Dale. In fact, he got me my first job when I was in college. In the summer, I'd come home, he got me a job, worked for a mining company. You ever, anybody ever been to a coal mine, any coal mine, any coal mine? Oh, you don't want to go. You don't, I mean, they put you miles in there, and you got your miner's light, and if it goes out, you can't see. 
And that's not a good place to be. You talk about dark. That's darkness. People talk about darkness here. No, going to coal mine under a mountain with all this weight above your head, let your light go out. Jesus, let your light shine, please. <laughs> Always. Because I was, that's the scariest thing as I've ever been. But he got me that job. Um, really helped me become a man. Dale actually now is the pastor of that church that he's the youth pastor of. And we built a new church, which is right there on Hoo Hoo Holler Road. And if you're looking at where mom and dad's house is, right there, there's the church. You can just see it. It's one of the walking distance. In fact, I walked there. That is weird, isn't it? <clears throat> I just walked there last week to see Dale. And he built a new church. And the old church that I grew up in is sitting down here uh, on the bottom of the flat, moved the new church up here. And asked Dale, said, what are you doing with the old church? It's a beautiful building. What are you doing with the old church? He said, I'll tell you what we're doing. He said, we've got a ministry there where if, if anybody was an alcoholic or if they were a drug addict, mainly the males, we've made those like a home for them. And uh, they've let guys move in there. And for a year, they can stay there for a year. It's a year program. And they got to work. Uh, they got to pay a little bit of money, but they feed them. They find them jobs. They let the minister in the church. And I just found us out last Saturday. I was in West Virginia talking to Dale. Um, and he said, and they got nine guys in there now. All nine of them got saved, got baptized. All nine of them, you know. So what a minute. And, but he's an example that God put in my life, you know, and so. Love Dale. Next guy, go to high school. Robbie Mansfield was my ninth grade basketball coach. I may not look like an athlete, but I had in my day some skills. <laughs> Shoot a little bit. But uh, he was a passionate man, and he was a motivated man. We had eight guys on ninth grade basketball team. How many of y'all played basketball? How many of you got to have to play basketball? A game. A game. Ten. We had eight on our team. That's all we had. So Coach Mansfield would come out there and play, and sometimes his wife would be out there guarding me. Like, come on, girl. And she would shut me down. I couldn't get around her. She was so good in defense. But uh, he, he was just a passionate guy, loved the game, loved kids. He just loved kids. He was a great teacher, and he was a great coach. Some of my best teachers are coaches. They just are. And he just lit a fire in me. I was like, I want to, I love this guy. I want to do that. I want to impact other people. Um, and he was my ninth grade. Now, 10th grade, I met Gary Copenhaver. Gary Copenhaver was my track coach. I never had speed, but I ran. And uh, he was also my football coach. And I love the game. Look, I do. And I'll talk a little bit about it today. I just love the game. I think football is the greatest sport that there is because it teaches more about what our life is like. It's a, it's a diversity of a bunch of people, but you've got to get them all together, think with the same mindset, same accord, same goal, same purpose. I just love it. It's, it's a life lesson. Is it a little dangerous? Yeah, maybe. You know, they're going to be hitting hard today in a, little, in a couple hours, but I just love it. I still love it. I have a passion for it. But he put that fire in me. Now, he was my hardest critic. He was a Bobby Knight coach. I know who Bobby Knight is. The guy, some of you younger people, you don't know who that guy is. Well, back in the day when coaches were coaching in the 70s and 80s, they would light you up. Uh, you've been lit up a little bit, Wes. Maybe a little, a little bit. I mean, in your face, it was a, can I use your example? Just sit there. But I'd have my helmet on. Snuffer, you got to read the safety. Why are you throwing the ball there? And he's lighting me. I'm sorry. He's lighting me up. <laughs> <laughs> Your glasses protected you. <laughs> I didn't have glasses. I had spit coming in my eye. And he's just, yes, sir. He was my harshest critic. Harsh. When I messed up, I got ripped. I got lit. Nowadays, you know, kids can't handle that so much. We still rip them a little bit, west, but maybe not so much. But he was also my, my uh, give me the best praise. If I did something right, he was my best cheerleader best one. So if I did something right, that a boy, that a way, snuffer, that a go, way to go right there. And, it just, and I, I could handle that. They helped me grow as a man. It lit a fire in me. And honestly, he lives in Greensboro. In fact, when he moved to North Carolina, I just come visit him. Now I'm in North Carolina. He's one of the reasons why I'm here. He's a big reason why I'm here. God put that man in my life for a reason. I would not be here today if it wasn't for Gary Copenhaver. Now he's a short little guy, but you don't want to mess with him. You don't. You, you know, some people got that look in their eye. You just know when you see him, whoa, I'm Watch out for that one. That's him. That's who he is. He's, he's a rough dude. But he's still my biggest critic. I have to tell you, after every season, I call him up. All right, coach, tell me what I did right, tell me what I did wrong. Well, I'm going to tell you that last game. Some of them calls you made. I don't know what you're doing. You need to be throwing the ball. And it's, okay, coach, do something right. Well, you know, your kids played okay. Oh, thanks a lot, coach. <laughs> every year. And he comes to one game a year, you know. But, and 
he does not serve the Lord. He does not. He knows about the Lord, but he does not. And I try to be light to him as he loves Abby to death. We try to be light for him. But God still used him. God can use anybody. He can use anybody. Sometimes you don't know. I never thought I would be where I was. And he's probably one of the biggest influences and a sinner. A sinner put me on my path of purpose in positions that I've been in. I am so thankful for him. I talk to him all the time, still visit him. But uh, just in your path, in your, in your life, sometimes you can look at this person. They don't serve the Lord. What's their role in my life? Sometimes you don't know. You just don't know. And he's been such a big impact on my life and still is today. All right, man, I don't know, I'm all over my notes here. All right, next guy. All right, so Coach Coleman here also was my ride. For three years of track and football, he got me home. Mom and dad didn't, he, he took me home for three years he did that. And he listened to some funky music, and he thought he was a sexy guy, you know. And so uh, I'm riding in a car with this guy with this nice-looking vehicle, and I'm just this ruddy little hillbilly who was a city boy, and he's checking out the ladies while he's driving, man. I'm just like, Coachman, just get me home. <laughs> and, and he would. He would. But... uh. He got me to the college that I went to. He, we went for, he said, I want to play college football. Well, let's go visit some schools. So he took me to a school called Bridgewater College in Virginia near James Madison. Anybody ever been near JMU? Harrisonburg. Anybody ever been there? I just won national championship, JMU. You know, it wasn't Bridgewater, but, you know, it was close. But anyway, he took me to this school. I'd never been there. He'd heard about it, fell in love with it. There is no way that should have just happened the way it did. It's for some reason God took him to that school. You know, there are schools all over West Virginia. I sent my film. They said, ah, a little too small, a little too short, a little too slow. I said, thanks a lot, college guys. You're crushing my dream. But God had a purpose. He had a plan, and he made him take me to this school, Bridgewater College, where I met my college football coach, Dan Antolik. Dan Antolik, best way I can describe him, kind of looked like Elvis, just with blonde hair. If you can picture that. His lip would curl like that when he talked. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dan Antoli would talk to you, and his favorite word was perseverance. He said that millions of times. It's never. I know it's hard. You got to persevere, boy. I know they're hitting you. I know you're going to get your head knocked off maybe, but if you survive, persevere. <laughs> so thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Coach. Uh, I got to tell you a quick story here. Um, back to high school, Coach Copenhaver had nicknames for all of us. And I'm going to tell you all this. Just don't let it, this get out. Can this stay in these, this room? <laughs> all right, so my nickname in high school was Dog. D-A-W-G, Dog. Don't ask. I don't want to go over the story. But I was, hey, Dog! Woof! <laughs> yes, <good. laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, master. <laughs> Man, I got to go. Um, but I was dog, you know. We had a 330-pound, my right tackle. Uh, was, we called him Baby Huey. Uh, had another guy, Brennan, was our smart guy, so we called him Professor. Everybody had a nickname. For some reason, I'm dog. That'll be relevant here in a second. All right. But with Dan Antolik, my offensive line, my senior year, I'm starting quarterback. My right guard's named David Foley. David Foley looked just like Barney Robo. How many of y'all seen Flintstones? He looked exact. In fact, his license plate said, I'm Barn. He was this tall. His left foot was six inches shorter than his right foot. So he always had to wear shoes that had extra thickness to them. Otherwise, he'd walk like this. I mean, he just did. But, uh, and we made fun of him, but he made fun of us as well. But we still loved him. But he was barn. My left guard, Keith Howard, had a flat, square head like Fred Flintstone. <laughs> he looked like Fred Flintstone. My, my right tackle was named Jimmy Palladino. So what do you think we called him? Dino, Flintstones, all right? My, my, my left tackle was Wayne Short, and he was a very physical, mountain-looking guy. I just talked to him again about a month ago. Huh? Bam Bam! Bam, Bam. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's exactly right. And that left my center. My center was Keith Harrison. He was a weird guy, and my hands were touching his butt a lot. Just what we did as quarterback. But he was that little Martian guy from the Flintstones. Who is the Martian? Whatever the Martian, the little Martian guy that pop up in Fred's head and then he'd disappear. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but Keith was weird anyway. But that, that was. <laughs> so my, the Flintstones were my offensive line. 
And I had access to the weight room at night because the next thing I'm going to talk about, Tom Kinder gave me a job my last two years at Bridgewater that I just had to close out the, just turn off the lights at night. Go to gym, coach. Turn, I didn't call him coach. Dog. Go turn off the lights and do all this stuff. I had access to the locker room. I wrote on the back of their practice pants. Dino, Bam Bam, Fred, Barn. <laughs> so, so we're in the huddle one day of practice and coach calls a play. Snuffer! 828 waggle. Okay, coach. <laughs> all right, guys, 828 waggle. So we go, up, we go up to the line, and when they bend over, you can see all those words. <laughs> and so, and so Antolik's like, Snuffer! What is that? Well, coach, that's Bam Bam. That's Fred, that's mine, coach. Flintstones. Flintstones, this is football! This ain't Flintstones. <laughs> Coach, we got it. Persevere. <laughs> so we ran, so ran to play. <laughs> anyway, all had nicknames. All right, so while at Bridgewater, the athletic director's name was Tom Kinder. Tom Kinder was a phenomenal man, a humble man, a man of character and integrity, would never lie, never cheat, never cuss. He was just a great example for me. Had a, had a class that he taught. Don't remember the class, but he was a phenomenal teacher. Um, but I just love the man. I thought the world of him. This is where it gets interesting. Uh, me and Tom Kenner developed a little relationship with AD. And again, we was a small school, but still some, something about us just clicked. My senior year, we're, we're looking for jobs. You know, I just graduated, finished playing my, my dream of college football. I got, got to play, wanted to be a coach, wanted to be a teacher. I thought that was the path God wanted me on. And so Tom Kenner pulls me in his office one day and said, uh, and he called me Jeff. Hey, Jeff, I got a flyer for you. Here's a job I want you to try out for. And it was a flyer to Pound, Virginia. I had never heard of Pound, Virginia at all. Anybody ever been to Pound, Virginia? Yes, you have, my man. <laughs> yes. But, uh, you know, I, I had never heard of Pound, Virginia. But um, he sent me this flyer for a reason. God gave him that flyer to put in my hand for a reason. Now, at that time, it seemed insignificant. I'm like, you know what? I want to go back to West Virginia, or I want to stay in Virginia. And I applied for some jobs. I looked for some opportunities. But for some reason... Dr. Kinder, out of all the people going, looking for jobs, put that flyer in my hand. And let me stop right there. There's an example of you never know how something could be so significant that seems so insignificant yeah. at the time. Yeah. I had no idea when he handed me this piece of paper, it's going to change my life. That piece of paper changed my life. Got me to my lady. Come <laughs> But it, it, it changed everything. Again, he could have selected anybody. God has a plan and a purpose. It's just staying in him. It's just staying in him, and he's going to direct it. He's going to take care of it. Again, I didn't know at the time. In fact, I look at it, Now I don't think you've put it together yet. You haven't put this dog. together yet. The dog going to a pound. <laughs> so I'm looking at this. All right, they call me dog, and dogs don't go to the pound. They, they avoid the pound. They go away from the pound, right? So why would God want the dog to go to the pound? <laughs> I said, this ain't God. And honestly, I was, I was going to throw it away. But I said, you know what? No, I'm going to go. And I went, for, I went to the job interview in Pound, Virginia, after Dr. Kinder gave me that. And when I got there, I'm sitting with a gentleman here who was from the area, uh, knew everything about the high school, knew everything about Southwest Virginia, grew up there, had a lot of family contacts. I'm sitting there thinking, I got no shot. I got no shot at this job. This guy's experienced. He grew up here. He has contacts. He knows people. I have no shot at this job, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it because in honor of Dr. Kinder, he wanted me to try out for this job. I'm going to try out for this job. And so uh, that guy went in for his interview, and he came out smiling. And I was thinking, oh, son, I'm going to do it anyway. And this is one of the toughest interviews I've ever had. My first interview was the toughest interview. There was 12 people in there, principal, assistant principal, AD, uh, some students, some leaders, secretary. I mean, there are people everywhere. And I'm just walking in this room, and they're just looking at me. I'm like, okay, let's play some ball here. Here we go. So tough interview, maybe an hour, fired questions at me, thought I did a good job, really did. I thought I did the best that I could do, considering it was the first job I tried out for. But I honestly left there thinking, I ain't got this job, got my little, what I have, Nissan? What did I have at the time? I don't even know what I was driving. A Nissan Sentra. <laughs> All right, so got my butt back to West Virginia, said, I'm going to have to start looking for a job, don't want to be in them coal mines again. But, uh, but I got a call from the principal named Jerry Copley in Pound, Virginia, and he said, the job's yours if you want it. I said, are you crazy, man? <laughs> I'm dog, I'm coming to a pound. He had just got hired, Abby can tell you. He had just got hired as a principal, and everybody in that room wanted the other guy. 
Everybody, I was outnumbered. Everybody in that room wanted the other guy. Jerry Copley wanted me. Just one. One dude wanted me. And that one dude, he also changed my course because if he says no, I never meet my lady. I don't, know, I don't know where I end up. I never even would have been a coach or a teacher. It changed the direction of my life. One dude out of all them people in that room, that had to be God. There's no other way. There's no other explanation for that. Really, you can't convince me otherwise. For Dr. Kenner to give me that flyer, for Dan Antolk to teach me how to persevere, for Gary Coburn to come to my life, but for Jerry Copy, who I didn't know, and he says, I want that guy, you're hiring him. Now, the head football coach, which is my next dude, he was not happy. He wanted that other dude because he knew, I know this guy. He's more experienced. He'll do a better job. But Jerry Cobbett says, you're hiring the redheaded dog from Hoo Hoo Holler, West Virginia. <laughs> and so he did. So he did. And he was just there a couple years and what? He left. So he's on principal for a short period of time. The assistant principal's name was Mr. Hurt. <laughs> James Hurt. James Hurt was the assistant principal. Now, there's your name for a teacher, a coach, or a police officer. I'm Mr. Hurt. <laughs> and he took the job right after, after Mr. Copley left. But um, God used these guys. Got me to Wayne Leftwich, my last point right here for this, for this part. And he's the head football coach at Pound High School. Legend. Great guy. You talk about someone who just, everybody loved him. They called him Big Daddy. His nickname was Big Daddy. Everybody called him Big Daddy. I didn't call him Big Daddy. I don't think of Assistant coach should call another coach. <laughs> Big daddy. I, I didn't feel that was appropriate. But uh, the, other, the other players, Coach Big Daddy. Hey, Big Daddy. And then they look at me, Coach, because I, I was really, I was the outsider. I was. But a man, Wayne Leftwich, led me to my lady. And uh, I think I was there for a week. He took me, he took me to his campsite in Tennessee. He said, we're going to go away, do some fishing and some football. Okay, sounds good to me. And we're going to do some water skiing. I never water skied before. And so we're out there, what, South Holston Lake in Tennessee. Beautiful area, right? Beautiful lake. And I can't do it, man. I'm not a good swimmer, by the way. M most dogs, maybe there are. But <laughs> I'm trying to get up. And I'm wiping out, wiping out. Finally, I get it. Finally, I get it. But uh, we talked football. We did some fishing. And we did some skiing. And I learned a lot. But when we got back, Abby was working as a secretary in the, uh, at the high school with his wife, Sally Leftwich. And you did some work for her, didn't you? And Wayne introduced us. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and bam! <laughs> it's history. Uh, that noise, that noise y'all made. Oh. But it was, we kind of knew at the time. And a few weeks later, she asked me out. For, for some ice cream and it what turned into a, a 20 minute talk ended up for hours and we knew that night that night God had a plan and a purpose for you guys still waiting on that woman and you ladies still waiting on that man God had a plan and a purpose she's the only one for me that's it she's the only one for me God directed through this these people, he put me on my path, my ministry. I've, I take coaching as a ministry. I love, look, I love the game, and I coach with passion. And I don't make everybody happy, but no coach does. There's people that can't stand me, but I still love the game, and I love my kids. And that's what's important to me. And I still feel it's a ministry to me. But God also got me to my lady and got to me to my kids. So don't give up on that. Do not. If you're still wondering, where is my path going to take me? Just stay with it. Stay where you are. Stay in him. He's going to put people in your life. You know, and sometimes you don't know. You, you can't tell at the time. I couldn't tell the Gary Copenhaver, Rob Mansfield, Elvis Antoli. I didn't know that they were, the impact they were going to have on me and Dr. Kinder giving me a fly. I didn't see that coming. I didn't know, but God knew. He knew. And uh, a praying mom and dad kept me on my path as well. And that's another thing let me throw in there. If you parents will pray over your kids, keep doing it. Keep doing it. It made a difference. Look, we were six of us. One of my brothers died when I was two years old. He was four. And that was a tragic thing happened to my family. Um, but mom and dad were praying people, and they still are. And they prayed over us. They covered us. Parents put a covering over their children. Yes. All right? And children, you pray for your parents. You don't know what they're going through. Sometimes you don't understand the stress of being an adult and the things and job and, and situations you face. That prayer makes a difference. It, it affected me. It changed my life. got me on my path. But parents keep praying because all of us, and after Tony died, it was five brothers. It was five of us. We all went away. 
We all, we all grew up in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. How many of y'all have done that? Did it all, yeah, all my life. That's, that's, it was church all the time, but it wasn't just that. Dad was preacher. We also visited the sick. We're also going to the hospital. We're visiting their house if they're sick. I was at church or school or someone's house, and that's it. And then we got a free time. Go to Sandlot. Let's go play some ball. That was my life. That was it, you know, but that was the way God had ordained. But keep praying. All of us went away from the Lord, but we all returned. We all returned. My oldest brother, Romy, who was a rough dude, and I could tell you many stories about Romy. Romy should be dead. Drinking and driving, accidents. I saw his vehicles. He should have been dead. Mom and dad's covering protected him. Terry, you know, drinking and driving too. I hate it, but they did it. He should be dead, but he's not. And he's now working at a church right now. He's working with the, the youth at a church in Virginia right now. God's ministering to him. So keep praying. Just keep doing it. And, you know, parents and kids, you need to keep doing that. But you never know the influences in your life. Now, let me also say it this way. Go the other direction. You don't know the impact that you're making. You know, you're, you're also a part of someone else's path of purpose. All right, so all I can say for that is just be an encourager. Encourage other people. Be a light for them. Be a bridge when you need for them. Sometimes discipline them. And that's what's hard nowadays. Look, Coach C, Coach Coburn, I call him Coach C, he disciplined me. And, and it was hard. Now, sometimes when I discipline kids, it's like, you don't love me, coach. Yeah, I do. But you ain't doing it this way. There's a better way to do it. And you ain't doing it. I'm sorry, I'm going to turn the coach on you a little bit. You ain't doing it this way. But I still love them. I still love them because that's how he loved me. And even dad, son, it's going to hurt you more. It's going to hurt me. No, it's not dad. It's a belt. You're not getting hit with a belt. I'm not hitting you. One time we all messed up, all five of us, and we had a couch. And we all lined up. And uh, Daniel do it, but he whipped off that belt. All right, boys, you're all getting disciplined right now. Now, if you were smart, you got at the end. Because he would get tired. <laughs> then he's going down the line. I was usually first or second, so I took a beating. But he disciplined. So sometimes you're being an example to other people or in their path. You have to discipline. It's part of the path. But encourage when you can encourage we're all in this together this is the path that we're all on so you're influencing other people and other people influencing you as long as you're in god it's going to work out it's going to work out now if you're doing it out of anger hate and bad emotions that's the problem and that's what's going on in our country now that's the problem we're an emotional country and you've seen a lot more hate now i mean genuine hate is what you're seeing where's the god in that where is he you know but if god would intervene or people let god intervene this thing would all change right now it would change so quickly all right, because we're all supposed to be here for each other. So um, that is my path of purpose. Um, I don't know where I am in my notes. I've just been talking to y'all for a while, haven't I? Is it good? Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> One thing I wrote down here, whatever you're called in to do, thrive in it. Thrive in it. If you're a doctor, you're a businessman, businesswoman, you sell stuff, you're a nurse, you're a doctor, coach, teacher, fireman, police officer, thrive in it. Thrive in it. In all areas, there's opportunity to be a light for him. In all areas. Well, maybe there's some jobs that are not, that God's not in. Let's not bring those up. <laughs> but wherever you are, thrive in it. Thrive in it and because you don't know who you're impacting. You don't know. All right, so I want to show another video. I can't do that. I ain't got time. We're going to skip that. I'm going to go to that last video in a little bit. All right, I'm not going to do the second one because... I'm just not, not going to do it right now. But if we're in him, we're going to thrive in him. So the next phase I want to talk about is unity, how we're going to go together. Before you can unify with something, you've got to know who you are in yourself. You've got to know your identity. Yeah. All right, when you're going to be a part of a team, you've got to know your role and what your identity is. You're going to be part of a successful church. You've got to know your role and you've got to know your identity. Right, what are you good at? And I, I tell the kids all the time, you know, some kids think they're not good at anything. What do you like? What do you like doing? That's going to lead you a lot of times to your ministry. I love just, I love the game. I love kids. I'm thriving in it. I look forward to school tomorrow. David's not. <laughs> and he's going to be he's gonna be weightlifting class in the morning. Tomorrow we working squats. <laughs> but I thrive in what I do. I love what I do. What do you like doing? What do you like doing? And God's going to take you. That's usually your skill set because everybody has skills. That should eliminate suicide altogether. should just take it away. Everybody has a skill. I've told kids in my class, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. There's too many kids doing it now. Less kids are doing it. Less kids are, but it's still happening. 
It still exists. We still got kids making mistakes. But they all have potential. They all have talent. Some kids just don't have the confidence in it. But what are you good at? There's something that, and even as we get older, we're still good at something. Do that. But do it in God, and it's going to work out, and you're going to make the impact that you need to make. All right? So what I want to talk about then is, is unity. Three areas that should show unity the most, and I think I shared this with you, is family, the church, and teams. In your family should be unity. You're not going to agree all the time. Y'all know that. There's going to be arguments, right, Dave? Sarah? Yeah. There's going to be some disagreements. Me and my brothers fought, and they kicked my butt for years. So I got in football and got a little bigger. Bring it. Bring it, Terry. Come on. But it took me a while. They beat the crap out of me. <laughs> Made me uh, the dog I am today. <laughs> but in a family, there's got to be unity. When it works best, it works together. All right. Uh, the church, obviously, what happened in Acts 2? What happened in Acts 2? When they all got on fire in 120 in upper room, 120, and I doubt that they were all thinking different things at that moment. I doubt one of them was over there talking about, man, I need to take a shower. I stink. And I went over there, somebody stole my donkey. You know, and <laughs> someone over there, we need to dust when we get home. This is a little dusty here. No, their mindset was together, one mind, one accord. And I ain't talking about a vehicle, even though I like Honda Accords. They were all together in one mindset, one accord. And that's when they made the difference. They had to be unified to make the difference. If there was no unity there, church wouldn't have grew. It wouldn't have spread. Had to be unity. That's so important. So that, that's who the church is. And the last part, like I said, is the team. So let me talk about the team that I have for a little bit. All right. Before I do that, I want to make this point. Y'all watch the marches that happened a couple weeks ago? You know, the, the pro-life, uh, pro-choice marches. Were they unified? I mean, the marches. The marches were unified, all right, so they all had, hey, we are against, you know, this president taking away our rights to our body and abortion. They were unified in a purpose. They were. And then that Friday, they were unified in a purpose. No, we're going to fight for the baby to live, pro-choice. But either way, even the sinners are showing us unity. They are. You know, and that's why sometimes they look at the church and they see when there's, when there's issues in a church, how are we going to be example for them if they're showing unity and purpose and having one voice? If we're not, and really, and that's, that's their argument, and you can't argue with that. Not this church, but there are churches. Again, I've been a part of some. It's just if there's no unity and the, the world looks at it, we're more together than you are. Why should we listen to your voice? We know how to get together for a purpose and a cause. So you've seen that happen in the last couple of weeks in our country. Man, is it time for the church to rise up? Oh, my goodness. And it's going to happen. And I'm excited about it. All right. But... Uh, they show unity even in diversity. Look in this room. Everybody's different. Nobody is the same. Nobody is the same. But we can all still be together. We can also have the same purpose, common goal, common, common thoughts, common voice. We can do that. But we're always going to be different. It's when you get past your differences and focus on what you do together. What do you have in common? Because you're always going to be different. In my household, we all look different. But, man, we can all be together. Look at your hand. I mean, they're different. Oh, thumb sticking out here is like, you want some of this, boys? <laughs> Pinky's like, I got no shot. <laughs> but when you put them together, you can hold on to something. Yeah, thumb can't do it alone. Little finger can't do it. But when you put them together, God in our body shows us how it works together, right. even in how we're built. You know, you saw the animals. You saw what them ants did. You saw what them little crabs did. It's awesome, man. <laughs> but you, but you got to do it together. It's in unity. All right. So let me talk about my team. Um, this year's team, I had two girls on my team this year. Uh, I did. And my, my JV linebacker, Lauren Carlton, was the best player on our JV team. That female was the best football player. And did you come to some games? He could tell you, on our team, she was the hardest hitter, hardest worker. She was voted captain. All right, so ladies, don't you think that you can do it? Lauren Carlton did it. And she's going to be a state champion in track. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Throwing a shot and throwing this, she will be a state champion. I'm looking forward to that. But uh, you talk about diversity. I had girls. I got big guys, little guys, fast guys, slow guys, wide guys, pudgy guys. Um, guys are real smart. Guys that are, eh. <clears throat> guys with different backgrounds. Some guys very wealthy. Some of them, not so much. Got a hard home. Some of these, some of these players, they got mom and dad at home. A lot of them don't. A lot of them, it's just mom. It's just dad. It's grandparent. They are so different. And this year I had 96 players. There was 96 players this year, JV and varsity, you know, and sometimes the numbers dwindle, sometimes over 100, sometimes less. But my point is, they're all different. They're all different, and you don't know what's going on in their lives sometimes. As a coach, I want to know. 
I think we are an impact. That's why I call it a ministry. You can make an impact on those people. But I don't know what else is going on. But I know one thing. I'm the head coach, and I want them going where I want to take them. I want them going. It's like a Joshua spirit. We're going to take that, but we're going to do it together, and here's how we're going to do it. Let's start practicing. Let's go. You know, we're already in the weight room. Guys are already lifting the work, and we're already getting ready for next season. Man, this is in the world, and we're doing it. This is, our, this is just a high school football team, and we're showing everybody how it works. I even told my team this year after some of them shootings were happening, and they were shooting all of our officers and just ticking me off because I've coached some officers, you know, and I just hated how our country was going. And I told our team, I said, you know what? Y'all are the example of unity. I said, look at y'all. All y'all are different, but y'all are getting along. Now, look in the world. Go home, watch the news. There's so much hate, and it's the adults, and we're messing this thing up. They, I said, y'all are the example for this world. I said, so the unity you have in this football team right now, you carry it over into your job, in your house, wherever you go. You show that because this is how it works. This is how it's supposed to work. It don't work like what you're seeing on the news. That ain't the way it works. Y'all set the example because you're doing it now. As young teenagers, you're doing it now. So it had a big variety, but when they put that warrior helmet on, it's time to play ball, man. That warrior's coming. <laughs> and the mindset changes. And it's cool, like before practice, and I love practice this year. Look, some years I have teams, they don't get along. Sometimes you got poor leaders. Sometimes you do. This year we didn't. We had great leaders. And I come up to practice, and I was usually jacked up ready. As I get older, I get a little slower. Sometimes I get that little gimp. But I was excited. But I watch, just watch them. I just stand back sometimes, just watch them. And the white kids and the black kids loving each other, and Hispanic kids loving on each other, laughing, you know, hugging each other, sometimes punching. That's just what guys do. You know, but I'm just watching from a distance. I'm like, man, look at that. That's awesome. That's awesome. But we blow that whistle. Let's go. And they all line up and it's time to go to work. And it's funny how the unity was already there, but now I blow that whistle. Tell them, get on that line. Let's go. Let's go to work. And now they're already, and now the mindset changed. All right, we, we want to be successful coach. Tell us what to do. So it didn't matter white and black. It didn't matter girl or boy. It didn't matter Hispanic, rich, poor. It didn't matter. It's like, we all want to be successful. Tell us what to do. It works in high school football. Don't tell me it can't work in a church. Don't tell me it can't. I've, I live it. I live it. Now, two years ago, it didn't work like that. Had a couple leaders. Um, can you say turd in church? Turd. <laughs> I did. They were turds, man. <laughs> they, were, they, were not, they were not the leaders that we needed, but they were selected by our team to be the leaders. And, and, and look, we were good, but we didn't reach our potential. Because of leadership. And Coach Snuffer gets the blame, and I always do. So be it. All right? But those leaders killed our team. They killed it. And I didn't enjoy practice because I knew that they were going to be making fun of other people. And they didn't hang out with each other so much. After school, after practice, they didn't hang out. You want to see unity? Who wants to hang out even outside these doors? That shows it. That says a lot. You know, that team didn't want to do it. This year's team, man, they did. I mean, they're always want to, Coach, you want to join us? You know, I don't want to go to movies with y'all and watch that little chick flick. I'm sorry, guys. You know? <laughs> But I'll see you on Monday at practice. But that, that unity from the leadership down is everything. Our team did it. It works in the church as well. So what we're going to do is put up our football team up here right now. The River Fellowship football team. Let me make some room. All right, y'all ready for this? Like that song, you ready for this? Starting the quarterback, Pastor Todd Martin. <laughs> just, just stay on up there, buddy. <laughs> I love you, man. I hope that won't mess that up. What does a quarterback do? And some of y'all hate Tom Brady. I'm not a Patriots fan. I love Tom Brady. I love his story. He came from nothing to something. He's worked to get that way. And whether you like him or not, I love his story. But what's the quarterback's job? What is their job? The ultimate leader. The quarterback is the ultimate leader. Joshua was a quarterback. David was a quarterback in the Bible. Jesus was a quarterback, man. You know, when I get up there, hey, Jesus, got a football. Let's throw some ball. The quarterback is the leader. All right. Of, of, any, of all the sports, so you got to scan the defense, got a lot of responsibility, a lot of weight on the shoulder, but got to make other people think the way you think. That's the role of the quarterback. Quarterback's got to have a lot of help, so let's get some more people up there. So starting to tailback will be Tina Martin. <laughs> yeah, you, you stand up there, but you got to get a little separation. We're in shotgun. We're going to go hip left. 
I'm talking formation-wise. <laughs> What's the job of the tailback? What's the tailback do in football? Well, they run the ball, but they got a lot of responsibilities. Tailback's got to protect this guy, all right? If there's a blitz, <laughs> if there's a blitz from the linebacker, there you go. <laughs> she just did it automatically, man. Picks up the blitz, does all the little things. Tailback's got to catch the ball, block, run the ball. Like I said, tailback's got a lot of responsibilities. My gosh, that's, that's Tina. That's who she is. She's the perfect tailback. But they have to work together. Those, because they're so close together, they got to work together. All right? At center is Mel Sykes. <laughs> We're going to be in shotgun. No, 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 no. You're going to be in front center, in front of the quarterback. But we ain't putting our hands there today. We're in shotgun. Right there. <laughs> I meant to bring a ball, but I didn't. All right, so what's the center do? Center starts to play. The center is, you know, everybody says the quarterback's most important. The center starts to play. You can't start to play without the center. They snap the ball. Mel starts the service. All right, she is, it starts with her, all right? And she's the anchor in the middle of how all this thing works. Uh, we can't move until the center moves. God ain't going to move until we worship. And it's funny how that works together. All right, so guards. I got a couple dudes. Uh, starting to guard. Steven Sykes. <laughs> You warmed up? You warmed up? You loose? Okay. Nathan Brown. <laughs> Guards are next to the center. So if y'all don't know, you got to be on the other side, Nathan. You're the left guard. Get next to the center. Right guard, left guard. So if you want to know, what's a guard? There it is. Guards are next to the center. All right, y'all get a little closer. Man, this is football. We touch each other. It's a collision sport. Some of them even shower together, but that's another story. They do. They do. They do. <laughs> so the guards, they're the pillars of security. They can have a variety of skills because in most offenses, if you know anything about the game, People pull the guard. So the guard sometimes got to block these people. Sometimes they're going to pull, and they got to kick out this guy, or they got to block this guy. You're big. All right? Sometimes they got to deal with that. Guards got to have a variety of skills. All right? And they got to take care of a lot of issues, and y'all got to take care of our youth. You got to take care of them. All right? You got to show them the way. You got to guide them. Uh, tackles. Now, I got a, a lot of choices of tackles, but to me, the tackles are next to the guards. That's our greeters. So anybody who's a greeter, could come up here. And ones I wrote down, I got Frank and Jeanette, Jeff and Peggy, and Bobby and Leanna. Bobby, come on. I'm going to see you attack. I need two tackles. Or more. Or more. <laughs> you got to get on the other side. No, you're good. You're good. What is she called? What's her position? Tackle. Which tackle? Right tackle. Right there. You can be right there. Yeah, we're, we're overload. We're unbalanced. We, we have this formation in our offense. All right. Right tackle, left tackle. Um, they also anchor the line. They're usually on the end. Sometimes we have somebody next to them. They're, they're, they're the end. But for us as the greeters, they're the first impression in this church. The first impression. Greeters is everything. Me and Abby did that at our other church for many years. I was in charge of greeters, and she was. And greeters is everything. They kind of set the tone. If you're walking in a church, if y'all visit other places, businesses, place, or whatever, and there's nobody there to greet you, or whenever you meet the first person, they're not shaking your hand, they're not happy, how do you feel? Right. You don't feel good. You're really excited about where you are. Yeah. Greeters is everything. They set the tone for what the atmosphere is going to be, and the atmosphere this morning was unbelievable. Yeah. It was just so much fun, so awesome. But the greeters have such a huge responsibility. I'm spitting when I talk. I'm sorry. <laughs> such a huge responsibility for what they do. They're the first face that they see. And they need more help. We might need more greeters. But if you do that, what a great ministry it is. Set the tone. Greet people with a smile. Hey, glad you're here. Hope you have a good time. Greet them as they leave, especially the visitors. I mean, it's, it's everything. So those are our tackles. All right. And most offenses, they have a tight end. Some of them, they don't. 
So we're going to have some tight ends up here. That can be funny if you look at it that way. <laughs> tight ends, Abby Snuffer. <laughs> come on, Abby. Abby, Abby. Abby come on. Abby. Get, get your tight end up here. <laughs> Katie, can you be my other tight end? Katie Brown. <laughs> Katie, you'll be in a side tight end. What is a tight end's job? To tie up the loose ends. That's kind of funny. Tight end, tie up the loose ends. Um, set the edge as well. A lot of responsibilities with tight ends. As a, a, a Karen can also be a tight end. She's a secretary. Um, kids ministry is Katie and Abby what to do. And we need help. And they need help. We need more backups. I, I'm going to cover that in a little bit. We need more backups in these ministries. Every, every position needs a backup. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. All right. And then I'm going to put some receivers out here because as a coach, I just like throwing the ball. So here's my choices as receivers. All right. Uh, Tish Atkins can do it. Joyce. Tish right here. Tish, split wide, split wide. Right out there, we're going to throw a slant. Joyce, a little wide. You got the vert. You got the vertical. Okay. Yeah, usually receivers are a little bit wider. They can be tight. Usually they're a little bit wider. Um, Receivers got to be able to do a lot of things. Block, run routes, catch the ball, run reverses, run in motion. Got to be able to do a lot of things. New England today, you're going to see a lot of motion if you know what that is. They're going to run number 11, number 10 in motion. Just change from one position to the other. Sometimes you change positions. Sometimes you're doing this, but God says go do that. And you got to go in motion to do it. You just got to trust the motion. Man, it all works. And it's a beautiful thing how football works with. Just love the game. So, uh, and there's more people we can put up here. Um, I was going to Landon and Diane and our sound team and everybody back there. Give them a hand for all they do. <laughs> all right, now this is an offensive team, but I'm going to put one defender up there, and it wasn't going to be me, but I want to do the talking, so I'm going to use the guy that I coach. So give me Big Wes at linebacker. Oh, yeah. That young man right there was a great football player. And he's a great man. Oh, come on up there and play. let's play some D. Come on, let's play some D. So with any team, <laughs> that's smart. Tighten it up. What are you doing? You saw the penguins, big shark, come together. Here comes the shark. <laughs> Don't let him through. All right, so an off, if you've got an offense, you've got to have a defense. What's the job of the defense? This is my territory back here. You ain't getting there. What's the job of the offense? Move forward. What's the job of the church? Move forward. Don't stop. Sometimes the church is too focused on defending and defending our territory. Move forward. That's the purpose of the church. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do with your job. Don't be happy getting stagnant and being average. Move forward. What's next? What can you do next? Where can you grow at? Keep going forward. That's your job. Defense's job is, uh-uh. You ain't getting in here. That's the job of the defense. That was the shark. That was the whatever that bird was, you know. That was the defense coming at you. And the defense is going to attack. And they're going to attack today. So what is the defense attack? I'm going to get ahead of myself because I wrote these down. They attack the worship team. They attack the pastor. They attack the youth. They attack your joy. They cause division. They cause fatigue. He wants to wear you out. Um, weariness, apathy. The defense wants to create confusion. Watch the game today. You're going to see people out here called strong safeties. I'm okay. Sometimes they're going to come up here like this, cause confusion for their blocking. You're going to see safeties today. If you watch the game, if you don't, it's fine. They're deep, but then they're going to start cheating up. They're like, I want to confuse them. I want to cause confusion. Isn't that the job of the defense? Cause confusion. How's that work in the church? Oh, my gosh. That's what a defense does. That's what the enemy does, right? Want to cause confusion. But where does the enemy attack first? What do you go after first? Show them, Wes. Where do you go first? What's the closest? You got to get to the quarterback. You got to attack the head, right? And in a military battle, take out the head. Take out the leader. He's going straight through the center. He's going straight through worship. If I can... (laughs) (laughs) 
If he can defeat the worship, that head's vulnerable. That quarterback's vulnerable, and Brady's going to get sacked, or Iceman's going to get sacked. It might Ryan, Matty Ice is going to get sacked. If that guy fails or those guards fail, that offense is in trouble. And it works that way in the church. Satan's coming after the worship. He's coming after the youth. I've got to get to that quarterback. I've got to get to that pastor. So when this is strong, you got a strong church. When this is strong, you got a strong team. But that's got to be strong. But you know what happens? They get tired. They get tired. The guards get tired. The tackles, the receivers, they get tired. People in church, because again, my dad was a preacher, he got tired. You know, the workers in the church, they got, mom worked all the time. She got tired. You have to have backups. That's where we come in. What role, I just talked about in your purpose, what role can you fill to help out the worship team? The youth. Who can sometimes sub for him or him or have maybe a service at your house to give them a break? Because the enemy is trying to fatigue them and wear them out. You know what you did? Wear them out. In fact, you can sit down, big guy. I appreciate it. You scared them enough. <laughs> but the enemy's going to come right here. If I can get the worship, I got you. If the worship's strong, then I'll try the youth. Can't get to the youth, then I'm going to try the greeters. Then I'll, I'll get to the secretary. I'll get to the, to the art. I'll get to any, any ministry that's in this church. I got to find a way, if not the enemy, to get to that head. I've got to find a way. All right, if I have to come from way out there, I'll do it. But you got to be strong right here. But they all get tired, and everybody needs a break. So as a church, how can we help them out? What can we do? I mean, everybody can find a role. There's something that you're good at, whether it's helping mail out, which someone, someone needs a break. Someone can't be there this weekend. You know, Tish can't make it this weekend. One of her kids is sick. She's got to stay home. Who's going to fill in for her? Who's going to fill in for the youth if both of these guys get sick? If the greeters, you know, just stuff's going on, who's going to do that? That's the church. All right, and again, I teach it on my team. I'll have backups at every position. If this center goes down, I got somebody ready. The quarterback goes down, I got somebody ready, ready to go. Now, the quality might not be as good, but that's where, I, that's where it's disadvantaged world and, and team, but advantage church, because the quality should be just as good in the church. Should be just as good. You know, again, it's just, it's, we're just worldly. We're a worldly team, but with God in us. And that's what makes a difference. But when they get weak, I got backups, but the church should be stronger than that all right so who can fill those roles if you think there's a role that you can help any of them in do it talk to them about it because everybody needs a backup that shows the strength of a team the team is only as strong as its weakest link you've heard that that is absolutely true absolutely true our quarterback went down eastern alamance got hurt and the next week he didn't play for a couple weeks but i had a guy ready named jake chrisman he played phenomenal and he was ready to go and he embraced it he thrived in his role so it happened at my high school and our team. And these are, these are kids. I love them. But they're kids, adults. Let's get this thing together, man. Let's go. All right. There's a role. There's something you can do. There's a ministry that you can help out in. So do that. And we all get tired at our last church me and Abby was at. I got tired. I was pastor's armor bearer. I was in, I was in charge. Of, I, Sunday school. I taught Sunday school. I was in charge of greeters. I taught the little kids. I did nursery. I got tired. And I love my pastor, but I got tired for 14 years. And after a while, I was like, I've had enough. i got to back off from a couple of things. That should never happen. That can't happen in a strong church, and we're a strong church. So find your role where you can help them out, where you can back them up and thrive in that, because they're going to need that. All right, did that make sense, everybody? All right, y'all can sit down. Thank y'all. I know I'm a little over. Can I show y'all one more thing and make, make a last point? All right, so I want to show that last video. It's called, this is called Wisdom of Geese. And to me, as a little boy, I loved animals. If I want to look at books, I always looked at animals. I just, I, I was, the animal kingdom just got my attention for some reason. And I still do that today. There's something about, I love the big cats. I love tigers, lions. I just think they teach a lot of stuff in the world. But God can use animals to make a point like he did early on. But this last story right here, you're going to love this. Have I got that? Wisdom of Geese. All right. Every year at football practice, oh, good. <laughs> every year at practice, there's a, bunch, there's a pond next to our field, so there's always a bunch of geese there. That's why they poop all over the field and get goose grass, and then they got to spray it out. It's another story. All right. But every year, they'll take off from the pond, and they'll go up, and there's always a dude. Every year I get them. I'll say, hey, so-and-so, why, why is that line longer than the other with them geese flying? And they start to think, man, Coach, I don't know. I said, it's because it's got more geese in it. <laughs> That's why one line is longer than the other. Happens every year. I get him on that. I'll, I'll use that joke forever. All right. 
They teach us how it works. Geese teach us how it works. Last thing, everybody got a puzzle piece? I was supposed to ask that earlier. No, you don't need to. Just have it in your hand if you want to. Um, let me just read this, and, and I'm done. I really appreciate this opportunity, Pastor. All right. If you think about a puzzle, what, happens for, what, what has to happen for a puzzle to be complete? All the pieces got to fit together. They got to unify. They got to band. They got to fit together. Sometimes when you're putting a puzzle together, you don't know what the end result's going to be. You don't know, but it's a beautiful thing to put it together. Um, when you picked up your piece, you didn't know, you know, what, what the picture is going to be. And I'm not going to show you what the picture is, but that's the beauty of God. Sometimes we don't know what our piece is or our part is. We don't exactly know sometimes where we fit. What really is my purpose, my path for this puzzle piece in this church? How do I complete this puzzle in this church? Sometimes you don't know what it is, but you all have a piece. And you're all part of this puzzle. Every single one of us is. We all are. And we all have great talents, great skills, great abilities. We just got to pull together on this thing. And we do, but there's more. There's more we can do. And we can go forward more because this church is growing, if you haven't paid attention. It's growing. So to me, it's like the geese. It's like the ants. It's like the football team. It's just getting all together. All right, everybody has their piece, and put your piece in there, and it's going to make a beautiful result at the end. And, and that's just a simple analogy of a puzzle piece. And you can hang on it if you want or whatever. It don't matter. But that's the beauty of God is sometimes you don't know what your part is, but do it. Do your part. Thrive in your purpose. Thrive in your role. Have your goals. Do your part. Put your piece in there, and it's going to make everything work so much better. All right, does that make sense? All right, I love you guys. Thank you so much, Rick. <laughs>